And so let's just pause and ask the Holy Spirit, Father, we just thank you for the gathering of your saints, Lord, and we just come before you with humble hearts, Lord. We, we spiritually bow before your throne, Lord. You are so good, and I feel your presence here. And I ask, Lord, that a fresh wind would blow through this room, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us. Your word says that um, there's even a rhema word, which means a specific word for a specific time for a specific person. And so I pray that that would be the case this morning, that you would empty me of myself and that your spirit and your anointing would flow through me, that it would touch the hearts and the lives of those that are sitting here and even those that might be listening and that we would never be the same again. We expect, Lord, great things. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We've been talking about boldness, being a bold witness. If you've been here the past couple of weeks with uh, Pastor Jay sharing the word, he's been talking about um, being courageous in our faith, um, to be salt, to be light. And when I was meditating on that, I, I realized that when you look at the world and you take an evaluation of what's going on in today's culture, and I even want to um, specifically look at the young people and say what's going on in the schools and what do you see going on in, um, with your peers, um, what's being thrown out in entertainment for movies and um, when we look at that, we see that the world is losing a lot of flavor. Amen. We see the greed. We see the lewdness. I mean, the provocative. And it's just blasphemy in your face like never before. And um, the pure evil, the misuse and abuse of guns. I'm not one that watches or reads up on the news very often, but lately I've been taking the time to just bring that into my space a little bit, just to get outside of my bubble and to see what's really going on in the world. Because although we have a, um, uh, a responsibility to steward what is in our space, we, we are also called as believers to um, be prayerful and be watchful, amen? And Pastor Jay does a really good job at, at making giving us an awareness of that and keeping us focused that it's really there's really a big picture. And so I've been, you know, looking on the news and things, and it's just been so disheartening, Um the misuse of guns is is through the roof, right? Um, what else? I got written down. The intimacy in marriage, sexuality has just gone out the door completely. What God intended for good is now being used for evil to where we don't even want to talk about sexuality over the pulpit because of the stigma that it has. When really it's this beautiful gift that God had intended for marriage. Amen. Um, people's misuse of time and resources, it's all have left a bad taste in my mouth and hopefully in your mouth. No flavor, no spice, no nourishment, no preservation. And these words come from the thought of Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can you be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. You are the salt 
I am the salt. And so if we lose our flavor, if we lose our saltiness, if we use the ability to preserve, because that's what salt does, then we are no longer, the Bible here in Matthew is telling us that we're no longer good for anything here on this earth. Yes, we're going to get to go to heaven one day, but God's got work and things for us to do still here on this earth right now. Amen? We got to be salty. Amen. We got to have flavor. We got to have preservation. Hallelujah. We will no longer be good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I believe God didn't put that in there just to just because he's letting us know that that's the progression of what can happen when we lose our saltiness. We're going to be thrown out. The Christians, the faith believers, the people who profess Jesus are going to be thrown out and trampled on. I believe we can do a better job. I believe we've been trampled on. I believe we've been thrown out. But I'm here on assignment this morning to stir your faith and say, no, not today. No, not on our watch. We will rise up and we will rise above. Amen. And we will be the light of the world. That's what verse 14 says. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you put a light. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. Amen, young people. Now is not the time to shrink back. Now is the time to let your light shine for others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Of course, there's a fine line between people seeing our good deeds and then all of a sudden seeing us as good, right? And so we really want to be careful to walk in the authority that God has for us, but to give God all the glory, And that comes from, change my heart, oh God. Make it be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Keeping a heart posture that is humble towards the Lord. Amen? Amen. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? When we come with a humble heart, but walk in the authority that God has given us. People can't help but not to like you. People can't help but not to receive what you have to say. As Christ followers, Jesus has assigned us, when I think of salt and light, he's assigned us to be the preservers, to stand up for the truth, and to stand up for righteousness. Now is the time more than ever before, that we are to be people standing up for the truth of God's word. I've never heard it more now than ever about people talking about my truth and my truth and yeah, you got your truth. No, it's the truth. There is only one way that leads to heaven. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me, says Jesus Christ. And so we we find ourselves in a place when, when people come at us with their truth, Truth, and we don't want to badger them, what we need to um, realize practically is w- with non-believers especially, we don't need to be coming at them with all of the pointing our fingers about all the sin that they're going through. Because that standard is actually held for the believers. Amen? And so, yes, the sin in their lives needs to, to get um, pulled out, but not before they know the love of God. 
And that is crucial because you can push somebody away before they even know how much God loves them, before they even know how much God cares, before they even know that God di- Jesus died on the cross for their sins, even if they were the only one. Does, is that helpful when you share the gospel with someone? To share it, my, I tell my children, you go and you share the love of Jesus. My 11-year-old daughter is very aware as she's growing older, and so she'll comment to me about um, people and things, and, and I, I'm trying to navigate and teach her about having an awareness, but yet not gossiping. You're not better than them. They need Jesus. And I, I, let's take note of what you do see and what can we learn from the, them, but let's also have a burden that they might not have parents raising them up in the way that they should go. They might not have the authority in their life and the leadership in their life and the love in their life that is guiding them around the things that are right and righteousness. And so we stop and we pause and we pray. And if we have a, an opportunity, we go to them and we talk story. And I let, them, I let her know that sharing the love of Jesus sometimes is as simple as talking to someone and asking them, what is your name? And if, if the Lord provides to build a relationship with them. Of course, if you're in the store, that's, that's, it's a little different. But I, I'm teaching her the dialogue that can take place as a believer. Amen? We are called to be preservers, to preserve the inheritance for the godly. I, I wrote this down, and I was thinking to myself, the inheritance of the earth. Yes, we have a generational spiritual inheritance that we want to leave to our children, but even the inheritance as far as wealth is concerned. I think there's been a lack in the body of Christ to where we think that we can't be wealthy. But when I look through the Bible, I see that Abraham was wealthy. I see that Solomon was wealthy. I see that David was wealthy. And so in, I just, I just, I want to give us an awareness to shift our perspective a little bit and just be reminded that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so we can, we can steward wealth that God puts into our space. And when the Bible says, when you care for the little, he will give you much. And I know even when we look at um, artists and, and maybe those that are a little bit more popular in the faith realm, I know I've had a tendency, tendency to see, well, like, wow, they got a lot of money or they, you know, they're on TV and this and that. And the Lord convicted me one day and he said, you pray for them. I have given them influence. I have given them money. And you pray that they would use their resources to open doors that no man can open. You pray that they would use their resources not like the world uses, but that they would use it for orphanages and and counseling places and studios and things that are needed in the kingdom of God. Pray that their platform would be untainted. They are human and they're going to fall short. But with the prayers of the body of the saints, they will rise and they will gain ground on the enemy. Amen? Amen. We are a collective body and we can do this for, for those that we see afar and those that are, are near and close to us. It's our job. It's our kuleana. It's our responsibility.
especially in these last days. I love the prayer that Jesus prayed before he ascended, before he left. It was that they, you and I, would have unity. And I just want to broaden our aspect on that a little bit and say we, we need to have unity in our homes, unity in our marriage, unity in our um, relationships amongst the believers, you and I here, but even globally and collectively that we would have a unified spirit together as the global body of Christ. And I think um, on Tuesdays and Thursday prayer, Pastor Jay and, and the team, the, the team of elders there, they do a really good job at having an awareness of that global unity and, um, and support that our leaders need. And so they intercede for them. Amen? It's a good thing. It's a needed thing. As salt and light, we are called to preserve the next generation for the furtherance of the gospel. I thought it wasn't a coincidence that Pastor Tyler said that it, w- it took one generation before they forgot all the things that God had done. And may that not be the case for us. Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And again, I want to go back collectively and say, not just parents train up the child. Papas train up your child. Grandmas train up the child. Uncles, aunties, all those together, church family, train up a child. Anytime you're in, anytime you have children and the younger generation in your space, may it be that the people of faith are seeing them as gems, as, as these, these beautiful gifts that God has given us, and, and seeing them as an opportunity to pour into their lives one way or another. Pastor Jay said it last week, one plants, one waters, and God gives the increase. I can stand here for hours and hours and talk to you about all the aunties and the uncles and the, the papas that, um, that I was raised in the faith with over the years that planted seeds and seeds and seeds to where when I went off and tried to to do the world all on my own, there was so many of their, their voices that came into my heart and mind because of the kindness of God. And I was able to be steered back to the fold where I belong. So I just want to urge you as salt and light to be the preservers of our next generation. And if we look around and we are just disgusted with bad taste because of what we see. I want to give us a responsibility that part of it is because of us. And we can do a better job. Maybe we can't change the past. Actually, we can't change the past. But we can do a better job moving forward with the time that God has given us. Amen? And so I exhort you. I have four children Teach them, love on them, correct them. I give you permission. When you see them in Paio, when you see them when they get older, when you see them on the skate park, be the ones that are steering them so that we will preserve our keiki to be salt and light, to share the gospel to those that need it while we're here. Amen. 
you know, the salt and the light, salt specifically, it, it preserves and it enhances. That's what salt does. And so we have been called to enhance the flavor of this world. Just like salt enhances flavor, we are called forth to enhance the flavor of this world. When you walk into the room, it, sh- it shouldn't get, it should be lifted. I'll just say it like that. When you walk into the room, things should change. When you walk into the room, things should be lighter. When you walk into the room, people should feel the presence of God. Amen? Turn with me to Isaiah 61. This is the, this is the anthem of my life for my calling. I believe that God, I'm coming to terms with believing that God has called me to share the gospel. More often in a space like this, we're all called to share the gospel, amen? To share the gospel in our home and outside of our home. But some have been um, given the gift and the humble privilege to share it the way that I'm sharing it today. And so this has been my anthem, but I believe that as salt and light, I pray that this would be your anthem. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Somebody say, anointed me. The Lord has anointed you to Preach the good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God and to comfort all those who mourn. Are you seeing the great exchange that's taking place? This is, this is the enhancement that we bring into the world. When we walk into a, uh, when we, we are talking with a friend or we're walking into a space where we see a hopeless situation, we have been anointed to bring hope. Amen. When we walk into a space where it is full of chaos, we have been anointed to bring peace. Amen. To comfort all those who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a beauty, a crown of beauty for ashes. This is my favorite scripture because my last name is Ash. And I, God is so kind to every time we're going through something that just looks like it is ashes in my life. God reminds me, even in the the everyday mundane. He reminds me, no, there's beauty here. There's beauty here. As, As a woman of faith, as people of faith, we can see beyond the physical into the spiritual and declare and decree that, you know what, whatever looks dead, whatever looks like it's burnt, whatever looks like it's, it's just crumbled down, it's not the case because God is a God who brings beauty from ashes. Amen. 
It's good news for the believers. It's good news. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This is the enhancement that we have and the authority that we carry as sons and daughters of the Most High. And this is the enhancement that you and I are called to bring to the world around us. This is how we be a bold witness that Pastor Jay talked about last week. This is how. Amen? There's no better way. Pointing fingers is not the right way. Calling people out, calling sinners out on their sin is not the right way. This is the way. Amen? This is what God tells us. He says, they, you, will be called oaks of righteousness and a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love that because it it tells me that when we walk in the authority that God has for us, all we will see is a display of his splendor. Isn't that good news? That he fights for us, that he's backed us, that he's behind us when we walk in his authority. It's good news. You know, along with being a bold witness, we've also been talking about transformation. Turn with me to Luke 24. We've been talking about transformation. And transformation is is change, right? That's what transformation is. And we realize that change is inevitable. But growth is optional. Amen. When you go through change, everyone's going to go through change. The Bible says that we we have seasons in Ecclesiastes, we know that we have seasons. We don't even need to read the Bible to know that there's seasons or to know that change is just something that is part of our life. Amen. So change is inevitable, but I'm realizing as I'm walking through change, and as I know many of you have walked and are walking through change, that in the process of change, growth is optional. Oh, and that just, that pierced me when God reminded me of that, when he, when he ministered to me in that area. So we've been talking about transformation, and I, I kind of broke it down to, okay, transformation is change. It's me um, evolving. It's me going through a process. It's me um, coming from one place to another. And Growth is optional. And so when I look at Luke 24, um, just in the parameters, I want to talk to you about Peter for a minute and the, and the disciples and their display and how they displayed a life committed, catch this now, to the process of change. Because that's how we get transformation. We become committed to the process of change. Okay? Um, So just in Luke 24, the whole chapter, um, it talks about the resurrection, the road to Emmaus, 
Jesus appearing to his disciples, and then the ascension. And so this isn't even um, the disciples and Peter's whole time with Jesus. It's just the, the, the latter days, the last portion, the last season of their time with Jesus. And I want to I wanna highlight their process, their commitment to the process of change and the stark difference between the beginning and the end. And so Luke 24, the resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. So it was... The, it was Jesus was um, died, buried, and the, the women were going to the tomb to put the spices. And they got there, and he wasn't there. And they said, the, you know, the angel said, why are you looking for the, the living among the dead? He's not here. So they, the women ran back to the home, told the 11 disciples. It says, when, when they came back, they, as in the women, came back from the tomb, they all told these things to the 11 and to the others. But they did not believe the woman. Okay, this is the process of their change. They didn't believe the woman. Okay, then Peter, he ran over to the tomb. He ran out and went to the tomb. And upon getting there, it says that Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself... What had happened? And so in this moment, I'm remind, I, I see that Peter's faith was still fickle. I see that he was still frightened. And I see that he was still trying to find a way where there was no way. And just for a little while, I want to break down um, the correlation between Peter's life and my life. Peter's life and your life. And how we can relate. Don't we relate so much to Peter's humanity? I think that's why we, we talk about and preach about Peter so often. is because we can relate to his humanity. Amen. But so this is the thing. When you're going through transformation, when you're going through change... A lot of times in the beginning of this process, your faith is going to be fickle. A lot of times you're going to be dealing with fear. A lot of times you're going to be wondering how there's even going to be a way when there just seems to be no way. And so I just want that to be relatable to you. That's how we felt when we were in the process of our move. Um, let's continue with the, with the progression here. The next bullet, the next um, bullet point here is on the road to Emmaus, and so not long later, there's two disciples on the way to. Um, they're they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus shows up and asks them, "What are they talking about?" And they say, "This is what they say about Jesus of Nazareth." They replied, "He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and before God and all the people." And so they're, you know, Jesus is chatting up with them. And then this is what they say. They said, we hoped. Somebody say hoped. Past tense. We hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. The disciples had lost hope in Jesus. They were disheartened. Can you relate? Have you ever gone through change? 
and you lost hope in Jesus? Have you ever gone through change and you were disheartened? I I just want to show you how relatable the Bible is and how God is still there for us in the midst of change, as long as we're committed to the process of change. The third part of Luke chapter 24 is Jesus appears to the disciples. Okay, so in another scene, all the disciples are in the room. Jesus comes into that room. They're they're freaked out, right? It says in verse 37, they were startled and frightened thinking that he was a ghost. The disciples were full of, of fear and doubt. They were full of fear and doubt. And then the ascension. There's something that happened in their life that produced transformation, that produced change. The ascension, this is what happened in the the ascension. When they had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, when he, I'm sorry, when Jesus had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hand and blessed them. While, they, while he blessed them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. That was the progression. They were fearful. They were in doubt. They were unsure. They didn't think there would be a way at all in the middle of what they were going through. But at the end of their their process of being, the transformation was that at the end, they went back to Jerusalem with great joy. They went to a place, they went back to a place that was very heightened with fear and hostility. For 40 days during this time between the resurrection and the ascension, Jesus ministered to them for 40 days. And then for for 10 days, they waited for the Holy Spirit to come. And like I said, I, I want to keep going back and forth between um, how we relate to these disciples and to Peter. And so when you're going through the process of change, I believe that we have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. We have to wait for that fresh wind in order to gain understanding, in order to see that God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. We have to spend time. It says that he was with them, with the disciples, for 40 days. So in the process of change, don't miss the need to spend time with Christ. Because that makes all the difference. As a non-believer, you can go through change and then things will change. But as a believer, we want to go through the process of change and grow. Go through the process of change and be refined, renewed, restored. Getting to that next level, amen? Amen. I'm reminded from, from Luke chapter 22 that the inner work can't be missed when we go through change. It's so important. The process, the refinement that needs to take place 
is so important in order for, for beauty to come on the other side. When gold is refined, when gold goes through the fire, when gold goes through the process of the chaff being removed, beauty is found on the other side. Amen? Amen. My daughter's spelling word this week, by no coincidence, was convert. And I'm in the kitchen, and she's like, oh, mom, I'm going to read you my spelling words and the definition, and she's jabbering off. And the Lord ministered to me. And she said, to convert means to change. And I was like, oh, man, i got to go write something down. <laughs> and so I write, I write this down. And this is, this is where I want to tie in walking in boldness and transformation. Okay, are you ready? As bold witnesses, we want to see change. Okay? But so often, our greatest outward change... The greatest outward influence that we will have comes from a life committed to inward change. It comes from a life committed to inward change. When you go through change, it changes us, doesn't it? Isn't that ironic? Especially when change is drastic or when it pushes you out of your comfort zone. We all know that change is inevitable. Like I said about Ecclesiastes, it tells us. Yet when change comes knocking at my doorstep, like it did recently, and when change comes knocking at your doorstep, keep this in your pocket for when change comes, because let me tell you, change is going to come. I believe God is on mission. As soon as you face with an opportunity where change is at your doorstep, Learn from what I'm sharing this morning that this is God on mission. This is God on mission. And the question is, are you committed to the process of what change can bring? I I believe with all my heart, and I I knew it. When change came knocking at my doorstep this time, I just knew it. I just kept telling myself, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's going to be okay no matter what happens. It's going to be okay. And it wasn't this huge, drastic thing. We just moved. We moved from Pukalani to Waikupu. I'm no longer... You know, central, I'm no longer comfortable. I live 25 minutes to where I did before. But it was still, it was a big change for me. Um, But I said, fix my eyes on Jesus. Because this is what God said. Change can give us the courage to believe God at his word. Do you believe that? It, it, It can change your perspective. Change, it can change your perspective. To believe God at his word, it will give you the courage if you allow. So we moved to Waikapu, not my first pick, but God had a plan. And now I'm telling myself, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. For a while, actually last week, I, I had to confess to Pomai because I, 
she was talking about worshiping God with our attitude. And when we drove up last week, I kind of had a little attitude because I was like, I don't live five minutes from church anymore. I live 25 minutes from church and now I got to ride with my husband. And I kind of had this, this attitude. And when she shared that on Sunday, I was like, Lord, forgive me. You've, you've been so good to me. You've done so much for me. And so I changed my attitude. I, I changed the way I look at things. And now I'm walking through my house and I'm going, this is the nicest house I've ever had. This is the nicest carpet I've ever had. These are the nicest ceiling fans I've ever had. I li- we live behind a stream and it is the nicest stream I've ever had. <laughs> this is what Isaiah 43, 19 says. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I thought, oh God, you're so good. Because guess what? Our backyard is a booming stream. Like I called my friends and I was like, guys, I think I live behind Eau Valley. And my husband's like, no, that's West Maui Mountains. I'm like, yeah, but it's the bomb. And so it's cool because this this scripture says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So good. I am doing a new thing. I said, but I I like the old thing was good, God. I liked where we were at. We were we were um, we were a light in that neighborhood. We it was convenient. My mom was right there. The church was right there. You know, I could go to a ladies' Bible study, no problem. We went to Waipuna Church for the kids for for this kids group. The skate park is right there, and we we ministered at the skate park, Lord. Like it was, you know, it was good. And God's like, no, I'm doing a new thing. And. He wanted me to remind you even this morning that you know what even a good even good things come to an end. And that sometimes we hold on to a good thing but it is not a God thing. And there's a difference. Amen. And may we be able to discern the difference so that we can move into the places and spaces that God has for us. Amen. So God's doing a new thing. The ashes are in Waikapu, and it's been a process. But I said, God, we're committed to the process. We're committed to the process. I don't want to go through all this and not grow. I don't want to go through all this and, and be the same person. I, I want to grow, Lord. I want to grow. My children want to grow. My husband, we, we do. We want to grow. And she said, Pomai said today that, you know, there's, there's water in the valley. There's sustenance in the valley. There's streams. There's uh, a satisfaction um, in the valley. God quenches us in the valley when we are committed to the process. That's why I, when my friends were telling me, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through this, I said, no, it's good to need God. It is good to need God because now I'm challenged to, um, to believe God's word. Now I, ha- now I have to step up and be courageous and say, yeah, God, I believe you at your word. Amen? See, upon the ascension of Christ, I believe God was telling Peter, this was a good thing. I'm, I was with you and it was a good thing, but I'm doing a new thing. You get it? 
it was a good thing. I was with you. I walked with you. I taught you. But upon the ascension, he said, I'm going to go away. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to go away and send you a helper. And now that is Jesus doing a new thing in Peter's life. Peter, a good thing is coming to, you, to an end. Keep your mind and your heart fixed upon me because although this is a good thing coming to an end, I am doing a new thing. But you know what I thought? Just because God is doing a new thing, it doesn't mean you can't miss the old thing. It doesn't mean you can't miss the good thing. I'm sorry, not the old thing, the good thing. I was talking to my sister-in-law, and this is what she told me. She said, you know what? I said, I don't know why I'm grumbling. The house God provided is amazing. The rental market is crazy. But God made a way where there seems to be no way. The amount that the rental market is and the amount that we pay is miraculous. The things that the owners allowed us to do in this home is miraculous. I don't know why I'm complaining. I said, but I loved my house. I loved my neighbors. I loved my I loved where I was at. Oh, it was comfortable. It was and this is what she said. She said, you gotta go through what you're going through to get through what you're going through. Amen. I said, can you say that again? <laughs> You got to go through what you're going through to get through what you're going through. And that ministered to me because I think sometimes we go through change and we feel like we're not allowed to have, have all the feelings that come with change. And can I tell you, God gave us our feelings. God gave us our emotions. Have we gone overboard and maybe as women gone a little more overboard than God intended? Maybe. We don't know. But God gave those to us. And what also ministered to me is the scriptures that says that God will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so though, although things change in your life, God never changes. And so when you are going through the process of change, be, don't be like the world, but be committed to the process of change. In other words, feel everything that you're going through filtered through the word of God. Feel everything that you're going through at the feet of Jesus, surrounded that, by people that love and know God dearly. Because let me tell you, when you get to the other side of what you're going through, you want to grow. And when you get to the other side of what you're going through, you want to be healed, and you want to be restored, and you want to be at a place where Peter was after the Holy Spirit hit him in the upper room. And I'm going to read that in closing but I'm telling you, we got to go through what we're going through so that we can be whole on the other side. Amen? Amen. It's, it's all part of the process, and it's okay. Because the inner work is, is the most powerful thing for the outer work to take place, Amen. to be that bold witness.
So we're in the process, in this process, our character was refined. Like I talked about my attitude. We had to do so much work in this rental. I'm talking about ripping out floors, fixing doors, fixing drywalls, cleaning the oven, um, new paint, new ceiling fans, new carpet. And the Lord was, he was refining us. He was refining our character. At one point, my husband, actually in the beginning, he said, this ain't our miracle. No way. And he walked out. And I said, you know what, honey? I said, God is processing us through this. I said, and sometimes miracles are messy. And sometimes miracles look like blessing others in the midst of God blessing us. And that's what happened in the process of this. We were in the process of our faith being tested because they agreed to pay for the carpet material as long as we covered the labor. But then the ceiling fans needed to be fixed. Then drywall needed to be fixed. Then after drywall, you got to paint. And then all these other things added up, and it wasn't approved. And so I... I'm sitting there with all these receipts and I'm highlighting them and I got my Excel spreadsheet and I'm just like, oh, well, I'm going to let them know this. I'm going to let them know this. And God told me, he said, you don't have to um, defend yourself. I am your defender. I'm going to bring streams in the wasteland. He says, I am your provider. And last week, or just the other week, just this week, the landlord came to do a walkthrough of the move. And when he did, we told him, we know you paid for the carpet. You know, the land, they covered the carpet, but we do have a few other things. And long story short, they covered the cost of all the repairs. Almost $5,000 worth of repairs. And God covered us. He protected us. He was our advocate because we were committed to the process. Amen. Because God will cover us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has come and the new is here. I wrote this scripture down in reference to change because there is also a, a thought that some of us have to let go of the good thing because God is because because God wants to do a God thing. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, the devil, and he will flee. And so really for me, that was a posture of submitting, of releasing control, releasing fear, releasing, I was like, I, he's got to know, he's got to know where all these things are, and I'm highlighting, and like every night, Tyler's like, are you ready for bed? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, working on the spreadsheet. God covered it. So... God's mission is to bring you through the process of submission. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's mission is to bring you through the process of submission so that you will be more effective in the co-mission. Come on, somebody. We were talking about being a, a bold witness and I'm reminding you, you this morning that in order to be a bold witness, we have to be submitted to the inner work. We have to be submitted to the process, committed to the process, submit our lives to the will of God so that we can be more effective in the co-mission. That's what Mark, that's what Mark chapter 16 says. 
Matthew, Mark. Go into all the world and preach the good news. You know who was effective in the commission? Peter. Peter was effective in the commission because I believe he was dedicated and submitted to God, to the mission that God for him submitted to the inner work. Amen. And so this is what I thought about Peter. We always say we can relate to Peter's humanity, but can we relate to Peter's humility? Humility. How, how, wasn't it so that at the end we see how humble Peter was? He was so humbled that God would still use him. He was so humbled to walk in the authority that God had given him. Acts 4.13, I'm going to close with this. says So in Acts chapter 3 Peter heal, heals a crippled beggar verse 11 while the beggar held on to Peter and John all of the people were astonished all of the people were astonished And then in chapter 4, verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I believe that when we are committed to the process of the inner work, our bold witness, most of the time, won't even have to be said. People, even in um, verse, even in chapter 5, verse 15, it says, as a result, this is talking about Peter, people brought the sick into the streets and laid, on, laid them on beds and mats so, that Peter, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. It means Peter was a bold witness. But Peter was a bold witness because he was committed to the inner work. Amen. Will you be committed to the inner work that God has for you this morning, for, for whatever you're going through? Some of you might be going through the fire. But you know what I think of? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went through the fire, but Jesus was with them. Let's lift our hands towards heaven. Father, we just thank